It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's, it's the Sports, sports Rush, Rush with, with Brett Rump. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. The greatest, most interesting, most important person of all time. You are incredible! Yeah, well, you're half right. What is this, amateur? This is gonna be huge. I believe this is gonna be our finest hour. Just when I think you said the stupidest thing ever, you keep talking. I think that's the worst thing I've ever heard. That boy ain't right. The simplest way to put it, I have problems. Welcome to the alleged show. Y'all ready for this? Thank God it's... And here we go. It is the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. I am Brett Rump along with Adam Lundy and you connected on the Parkview Sports Medicine text line at 46862. What a weekend of sports. Always good to know. The Super Bowl is upon us. Of course, it also means the end of the NFL season. Big weekend tonight. We've got college basketball, high school basketball. Tomorrow, more college basketball. And then on Sunday, you've got Purdue Northwestern. You've got Super Bowl Sunday. It is a huge, huge weekend of sports for 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. We've got it all covered. Great guests lined up. Tomorrow, girls' basketball regionals. And remember, it's the new format. So all you've got to do is go someplace, win a game, and take down a net and get a trophy. That's what the regionals are about. Semi-state's going to be more of the old regional format where you have to win during the day and then come back and win a night game. But this week, it's one-game regionals, and the Homestead Lady Spartans will be taking on Fishers in what could be one of the best regional matchups out there this weekend. And we'll talk to Homestead coach Rod Parker about his Homestead Lady Spartans. You know the one thing with Homestead, they're always fundamentally sound, very disciplined basketball teams. Uh, they don't beat themselves very often. But they also have had varying styles, very different styles over the last few years. You know, they've been uh, a style that's been based on a high-low concept uh, with, with two post players. They've played four out and been three-point shooters. They've played transition basketball with full-court pressure. And uh, we'll have to find out what the identity of this team is because it seems like it's a little more of a half-court type of team. And we'll talk to Rod Parker about it coming up in about 15 minutes. Also this hour, Austin Render, speaking of Homestead, he was a former Homestead student who went on to IU and was part of their broadcasting school. Of course, you know, that's funded by Mark Cuban. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, Austin Render has done a terrific job broadcasting play by play. And now he is the voice of women's basketball for Indiana. And of course, what a year they're having big win last night over Caitlin Clark and the Iowa Hawkeyes top five matchup. And, uh, what are you looking at me? <laughs> I was Iowa just thinking about, well, you mean, Hawkeyes. They, they really did the, I mean, we talked about how they needed to stop Caitlin Clark, but I guess their plan was to stop everybody else. I guess because Caitlin Clark still put up 35. And, and the thing was, Indiana defended her pretty well. I mean, the only problem that they had with Clark, and one thing I thought was maybe a, a uh, 
what do I want to say, a, a breakdown of the game plan as far as what IU was doing is that Mackenzie Holmes was not coming out to defend the five-man for Iowa when the five-man came out to set a ball screen near the top of the key. Now, the problem means if that's an effective screen by the five-man, Caitlin Clark comes off that screen and there's nobody to hedge. There's no big out there in the vicinity. You've basically got two on one. One sets the screen. The other one gets free and shoots it. And Caitlin Clark got two or three shots coming off that, that exact situation. And I thought, that's something Indiana's got to adjust to. You cannot let Caitlin Clark come clean off a screen because she doesn't need much space to get her shot off. She's free to shoot anywhere in the half court. And she's a high percentage shooter. And last night, Indiana made her more of a volume score. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she wasn't afraid to shoot shots. 28 of them. Yeah, she, uh, she <laughs> took plenty of shots. But uh, the bottom line is Indiana ends up getting the win. Caitlin Clark uh, for the game was 12 of 28, 3 of 11 from 3. That's the number right there. You keep her from getting five, six, seven threes, you're in good shape. Uh, she was 8 of 11 at the free throw line where, again, she's really good at getting to the foul line. And she finished with 35 points, 10 assists, uh, and and I think one of the key numbers was eight turnovers. They they bottled her up when she tried to attack the basket and forced her into mistakes. And Iowa turned it over 18 times. Indiana turned it over 12 times, but that's that's a big difference. That's six extra possessions that Indiana gets, and Indiana ends up winning the game against Iowa, 87-78, pulling away in the fourth quarter after the game was tied at 62 apiece. Indiana then went on a 25-16 run to finish off the game. That's awesome, yeah. Hey, we got a text on the Parkview Sports Medicine text line, 46862. They, they want to know why did they change the regional and semi-state formats? That's a good question. We've never gotten a real good answer. Paul Neidig just did this. I mean, the new commissioner took over. I think he wanted to put his name and signature on this tournament and felt like there needed to be something done to, uh, to I guess, spice up the semi-state atmosphere. Now, there was a couple of things that you've got. It's probably more prevalent on the boys' side because of the time of, of year that it happens. But one thing that I noticed was when you get to semi-state, because it's so unlikely to get there, and then if you do have a team that kind of surprises people and makes it, so many people are on spring break during semi-state weekend. That's a lot of times the first weekend of the spring break period. And uh, attendance was a little off. You have to sometimes drive. And and so he, I think his whole focus was the tournament that gives you the privilege of playing for a state championship should be the highlight of Hoosier hysteria. And it wasn't. The highlight was becoming more regional Saturday. Now, I loved it that way. But I think Paul Knighting, in his mind, wanted there to be a little more energy and excitement and maybe a greater challenge to teams to earn that privilege of playing for a state championship. And he wanted to see more teams advance further in the tournament. And by doing this format, you've got more regional winners, so you're going to pass out more trophies, more hardware. And then you're going to make semi-state that that. You know, four teams, two two games in the morning, and the winners come back at night to to earn that right to play for a state championship. I 
I'm trying to maintain an open mind, Adam. I don't know that I was thrilled to hear it because, I, th- uh, again, I'm under the philosophy, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I think Paul Neidig's trying to break something that wasn't broke. Maybe, you know, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. And this is going to go over and be a huge home run. But, you know, sometimes you got to be careful when you, you know, when you take a, a hitter who's a, a 275 average that's your big home run stick and you put a guy in that hits 230 because you think he's more likely to hit this particular pitcher. You know, you're taking a gamble. And I think that's what Paul Neidig's doing. He's he's putting in a pinch hitter and uh, it's a risk. We'll see what happens. But, uh, yeah, it's one game format this week. And that means... Now the, the the way they did the sites and everything, and then next, then and then the other thing they added to try to bring more spice to the semi-state is they don't tell you who you're going to play until tomorrow or until Sunday. So all of the regional champions will have no idea who's going to be their next opponent and when they're going to play, or even where they're going to play specifically. All of that is going to be detailed come Sunday on a special tournament show. Now, the other thing is, if you think about it, it might give the IHSAA some one more broadcast or something to draw some advertising revenues from. There's nothing going on Sunday now, is there? Well, that's why they're doing it at 3 o'clock. Okay. Yeah, they're doing it before it gets into the too much of the Super Bowl. So, uh, yeah, remember we talked to Greg Reichstraw, and he said he was going to be hosting it this Sunday, and it's going to be Oh, that's awesome, yeah. And it's going to be online only. Well, we'll I'll have to tune IHSAA. in then. IHSAA.tv. We love Greg. Yeah, we love Greg. But I still don't know if this is going to be the best idea the IHSAA has come up with. But new commissioner Paul Neidig, is, he's been, what, two years now? His first year he came in and COVID hit. And it's like, what a way to start your your term as commissioner. But um, but anyway, we'll see how this goes. But that is coming up uh, tomorrow. It's the girls' basketball regionals, Homestead against Fishers. You've also got the Snyder Panthers. We talked to Reggie Tharp on the show yesterday, the Snyder coach, first-year coach. And Snyder will be taking on Lafayette Harrison uh, in 3A there at Belmont. That's the closest you've got if you want to go check out girls basketball regional action. Norwell will be taking on Hamilton Heights in the, uh, that's the 4 o'clock game, I believe. And then at 7 o'clock, you've got Garrett Twin Lakes. Uh, 2A action will take place at Winnemac with Central Noble against South Central. Lapel is where Bishop Lewers will go, and uh, they'll take on Lafayette Central Catholic. And uh, there you go. There's our breakdown. We don't have a 1A team still in the tournament. But uh, but anyway, we'll talk to Rod Parker about his Homestead Lady Spartans coming up just a little bit. You know, one thing I'm curious about with Rod Parker, of course, in the news, the whole situation that's happened at Homestead with the lockdown yesterday tonight, the Homestead Spartans basketball game against Concordia has been postponed. And so that was our scheduled broadcast for tonight because this was a game for first place in the SAC. So we had to do a last second shuffle. And it looks like Norwell is going to be our game of the week tonight as we'll head down to Norwell to cover the Norwell Knights versus Huntington North. Yes, uh, Norwell's 6-0. and Trying to win and wrap up the NEA championship. Exactly. And this is the final conference game. You got it. In the NE8. Uh, so if they, I don't think they use tiebreakers in the NE8. So if Norwell were to lose, they would theoretically be tied with Columbia City if Columbia City wins. And so I think we would have a tie for the championship, even with a Norwell loss. 
Right, I don't think they have. I don't think they play the head-to-head no. tiebreaker. And I if anybody knows. Yeah, feel the, free to correct us. Yeah, correct us. We, <laughs> we certainly are open to that at 46862 <laughs> because it's hard to keep track. Who uses tiebreakers, head-to-head tiebreakers, who doesn't? And I think it's the same with football and basketball, both. And that's what I'm basing it on is what I know about the, you know, the football and trying to, to take that into to basketball. 46862, Parkview Sports Medicine text line. Four six eight six two. What a big weekend we've got tonight! I'll be out at the Coliseum. Mastodons hosting the first place team in the Horizon League, the Youngstown State Penguins. I really do like their mascot. I have to say, it's it's adorable. The Gwins. Um, of course, we like owls, maybe more than penguins. Love don't, owls. Don't like penguins tonight. Superb owls. Uh, but anyway, the Mastodons take on a team that's scoring about eighty four points per game. They uh, they picked up three transfers they brought in this year, and all three are major contributors to this Youngstown State team that comes in with a 19-6 and record, all lone first place right now in the Horizon League. And so, huge game at the Coliseum. If you can come out and join us, love to have you at the Coliseum. If you can't be there and you'd like to check out the game, we would love to have you at 1380thefan.com. That's a special stream broadcast tonight at 1380thefan.com. Uh, also, we've got Indiana-Michigan this weekend. Hoosiers go on the road to take on the Michigan Wolverines, who have won three straight. Now, granted, it's been over Northwestern, Ohio State, and Nebraska, so it's not exactly three of the top teams in the... Hey, now, don't go talking bad on Northwestern. No, Northwestern's a pretty good team, and you know who Purdue's got this weekend. There you go. Northwestern. Because, and you know who Northwestern has. They got Boo Booey. You just love saying that I name. I want to say Boo Booey every chance I get. Uh, but that'll be a fun matchup to watch. Boo Booey against Braden Smith. Because you've got a very experienced point guard who's got a little bit of a swagger about him. And then you've got Braden Smith, a very cocky, con- confident. And I say cocky in, in absolutely flattering terms. Uh because I want a little bit of a cockiness out of my point guard. I want somebody that exudes confidence to the rest of the team. And so I want a guy who's got a little bit of an attitude playing point guard. A little bit of a bulldog. Yeah. The, the, it's like being quarterback of a football team. I mean, you want a guy that's, you know, not afraid to jaw at the other team a little bit at times or, or you know, hold other players accountable. And so uh, I think that'll be a fun matchup watching Braden Smith against who? Boo Booey. Boo Booey. <laughs> Is his name really Boo? I, I don't. I wonder if his name is really Boo or if it's just you know picked up a, a childhood nickname and it just stuck. And now the only way we know him is Boo Booey. Great name though. Acidons played Northwestern earlier this year, so I got a chance to say Boo Booey far too many times because Boo Booey kind of tore up the Dons in the fourth quarter when the game was close. Born Daniel Richard Booey. Uh, so. Yeah, he didn't look like a Daniel. No, he's much better as a boo-booey. Um, all right, so last night, Indiana gets that big win. We mentioned that over Iowa. Uh, coming up on the show, we'll talk to Austin Render about it. He'll be joining us in about 25 minutes. All right, do we got headlines today? Let's go ahead and hear what's happening in the world of sports. Today's top headlines. All right, well, Minnesota's Anthony Edwards, Toronto's Pascal Siakam, and Sacramento's De'Aaron Fox have been added to the NBA All-Star Game as injury replacements the league announced today. Good for each of them, I think. All of them deserve to be All-Stars. Nobody's picking up a free ride here. The three players will replace Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, and Zion Williamson. 
Luka Doncic will have to wait at least one more day to make his first appearance alongside Kyrie Irving in the Dallas Mavericks backcourt. There was optimism that Doncic would return for tonight's game against the Sacramento Kings after being sidelined for a week due to a right heel contusion, but he was ruled out after this morning's shoot-around. By the time that Doncic gets back, Kyrie Irving will be on load management and have to have a day off. (laughs) One more for you, some AFC South news. The Texans have reached a deal with Matt Burke to be the team's defensive coordinator. It's unclear whether new Texans head coach D'Amico Ryans or Burke will call the defensive plays. Burke, 46, spent the 22 season as the Arizona Cardinals defensive line coach. There's your top headlines. Rod Parker, Homestead girls basketball coach, coming up on the other side of the break. Welcome back to the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. I am Brett Rump along with Adam Lundy, 46862, the Parkview Sports Medicine text line right now. Joining us on the Masters Heating and Cooling Hotline, Homestead girls basketball coach Rod Parker. Tomorrow, the Lady Spartans will head to the regional, the one-game regional, where they will take on a tough Fishers team. Should be a fantastic game. And uh, first of all, Coach, uh, it goes without saying, but congratulations on yet another sectional title. Thanks. I appreciate it. It was um, was definitely a fun one last week for us. You know, you lost that last game of the season against Northrop. Did that have any impact on motivation or preparation for the sectional? Uh, you know, I'm not sure that it necessarily did. But, you know, I think it maybe gave the kids just a little bit of uh, extra motivation because that, that loss to Northrop was obviously to share the conference title. So, you know, we lost one of our goals, you know, right there. And so uh, it was a quick turnaround, obviously, you know, leading into sectionals and knowing that we obviously played a, a great Columbia City team on Tuesday night. But, I was real proud of the girls, how they, they got back at it on Monday, uh, and we went over there, and we obviously competed very well. Yeah, and of course, uh, everybody's still talking about the Columbia City game and the way it finished with a freshman dropping three free throws with virtually no time on the clock. A uh, huge moment for Maya Epps, but it wasn't exactly a coming-out party. You've had pretty good moments with Maya Epps this year. Uh, that freshman has contributed and been kind of a – I don't want to say a key to your success because you've got so many veteran players that are the key, but she has certain been a, certainly been a welcome addition and an important addition to your lineup. Yeah, most definitely. And, you know, for a freshman to come into our program and have to run the point from day one, uh, you know, is a big a big challenge or a big ask on my part of Maya, but she's really grown into the position, grown into the challenge, uh, grown into her leadership role, you know, for a kid so young uh, that – you know, it just it showed, I think, last week in the sectional because she put together three really good basketball games on both ends of the court. Coach, uh, over the years, your program, you've had a variety of styles. And, and I, you know, we, we talk about identity and there's been teams that it's been, you know, full court pressure and transition and high speed basketball. And and then there's been teams that have been more the half court team. What is the identity of this unit? Well, we're more of a half-court team this year. Um, we just really don't have the overall athleticism, uh, the quickness to pick up full court unless we have to, you know, certain games necessity-wise. But uh, it hasn't been our um, our trademark this year, something that we've gone into games knowing that we can do or sustain. So we just use it here and there. But this is a team where we really had to get in the trenches and lock down and play the half-court game very well on both ends of the floor. Um you know, and therefore a little bit more low scoring than what we've seen in some years past. But 
it's what we have and it's what we you know need to go out and do to put ourselves in the best position to win basketball games. Of course, when you play that half-court style, your discipline and shot selection becomes so important. And, uh, you know, with your offense and the team that you've got, you've got some experience. How is the offensive discipline and how has it been this year? You know, we struggled with that early, uh, to be honest, because, you know, we the way we played in the past, you know, we've oftentimes got several possessions during the course of a basketball game. Uh, and I've given a lot of kids freedom to shoot when they're open. Uh, this year, we've had less possessions per game. Uh, and so early on, we, my opinion, we took a lot of quick shots or shots that maybe weren't necessarily our best shot in that situation in the game. So we really kind of had to work as a team to understand, you know, what we need to do each possession, time, situation, uh, to make sure that when we come down, we really try and get the correct people shots um, that put us in the best position as a team to win. When you play a game in a regional, that's that one game format this year, you take on a, a Fishers team is, and I think I, I've asked other coaches this, when you look at video of your opponent, do you try to see something that they do that, that you can tell your girls, this is just like this game, or this is just like this team, or do you completely well, put that out of your mind? No, 100% we do that. And, you know, I think that goes all the way back to how you try and put together a schedule. Uh, and the fact that I get to, you know, work on our non-conference schedule and we, and we do try and play a tough one with teams from three different states and a lot of Indianapolis with variety so that when we get to the tournament that we can reflect back on past games. Um, so as we like prepare for Fishers this week, you know, we've, we prepared for other teams throughout the year similar to how we needed to prepare for Fishers tomorrow. So we can definitely go back and reflect on those situations. Uh, and even reflect on game situations with teams in the past that we think are going to be similar, you know, to a regional opponent. Uh, I think it was really important when it was a two-game regional to be able to do that when oftentimes you'd have that quick one-day turn or five-hour turnaround, um, you know, from a Saturday morning game to that Saturday night game. So uh, most definitely we do that. Um, and it really, to be honest, at my end, that even starts before the season begins on, on how we try to put together our schedule. Who do you see when you see Fishers? Do you do they remind you of, a, of an opponent that you played this year? Yeah, they remind us a lot of Snyder, <laughs> to be quite honest. Um, in a game that we lost in overtime, a very good basketball game. But um, I, I feel that they defend and will defend us very similar to what Snyder defended us uh, when they run man, which they seem to do about 75% of the time. And then when they run their zone, their zone is very similar to what we saw in a team out of um, Ohio. And also, I think a little bit of what Noblesville tries to do. Um, so we've talked about the zone against some of those opponents. They're manned very similar to what Snyder, how Snyder defended us when we played them a couple weeks ago. Coach, uh, best of luck in the matchup coming up at Regional tomorrow. And uh, real quick, I, I know I don't want to make this a new segment, but I know Homestead has obviously been in the news, situations that have happened there with the lockdown how did that impact your practice schedule or your preparation? Has it had an impact on your team? Well, you know, I hope not. But I'll tell you, we were very fortunate because we were at Marion yesterday for practice. We got out of school. And so we, we were out of the building when, you know, things got a little, I guess, out of the norm here at Homestead. So uh, I was happy we were there. We were able to get into practice. I was able to talk to my kids and my team about the situation. They were able to, to share feelings, and I think it was a good uh, situation and opportunity for my group to stay strong, stay internal, have a good support system uh, with one another yesterday. So um, I think we, we got a little bit fortunate 
in that situation. Had we been back here, we wouldn't have been able to practice last night. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did get lucky, and today we were already scheduled not to have school, and we just finished up practice right now. And, and my kids are, you know, as far as basketball is concerned and a team's concerned, I think we're in a good place right now. Best of luck, Coach. Appreciate the time. Yep, thank you. Yep, that is Rod Parker, coach of the Homestead Lady Spartans, as they take the trip down to Marion to participate in the Class 4A regional one-game kind of winner-take-all type format as the Homestead Lady Spartans will take on Fishers. That will be at 4 o'clock. We've got your broadcast time around 3.50. And then game number two at Marion will be the Snyder Panthers against Lafayette Harrison And we will also have play-by-play coverage of that one starting at about 6.50 p.m. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we've got to talk some Indiana women's basketball. This team is uh, number two in the country, and they just beat number five. It's a solid basketball team. We're going to find out the keys to their success because play-by-play man Austin Render will join us when we return here on the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. From 93.5, The Fan and Indy. Coming up in hour number two, we've got Kevin Bowen. We also will talk some Purdue men's basketball with Sam King from the Lafayette Journal and Courier at about 5.35. Right now, joining us on the Masters Heating and Cooling Hotline to talk Indiana Hoosiers women's basketball. And they deserve a segment. Got a big win last night over Iowa. Final score, Hoosiers 87. Caitlin Clark's 78. They're no longer Iowa. They're the Caitlin Clarks, if you haven't heard, Adam. Uh, joining us now is Austin Render, play-by-play voice for the uh, Hoosiers women's basketball team. Good afternoon, Austin. Hey, how you doing, Brett? Doing well. Good to talk to you. And, uh, you know, going into this season, we were very aware of some of the hype and anticipation for Indiana women's basketball. But now that you sit here and see a 23-1 and record, 13-1 and in the Big Ten, number two national ranking. Is this team living up to the expectations or exceeding them? I think exceeding from an outside point of view. Um, I, they certainly exceeded them at the beginning of the season, even in, internally. I think the way it all came together so fast, I've talked to Terry Moore a lot about that, and, and it came together. They, they had so many new pieces, seven seven new faces between freshmen and transfers and seven returners. And so meshing that all together, they felt like it was going to take some time. There might be some early season lumps. And instead, they didn't lose in the non-conference. They sit here now at 23-1. and one. I think we thought they could be good, but they were good last year and finished with a 24-9 and nine record. So this is a whole different level of good that – Maybe they thought internally was possible, but certainly from an outside point of view, did not see this coming. What is the key to this team as far as having that kind of success? Is there one thing that you say this team does this better than any other Indiana basketball team has done? Well, I think the key to this specific team is three-point shooting. It has been an issue the past few years for Coach Morin and their staff, and so they went out and they specifically addressed it this year uh, by going out in the transfer portal and getting Sarah Scalia from Minnesota, getting Sidney Parrish from Oregon, and grabbing a freshman like Yarden Garzon, who's leading the Big Ten in three-point shooting right now. 
grabbing those three and inserting them into this team, they didn't have bad shooters last year, but it certainly was not a strength. It was almost at times a weakness. And even Lisa Bluter after the game last night said, this team can shoot threes. They couldn't do that a year ago. So it is, I think, to this specific team, it's three-point shooting. But what makes this program run is its defense and its toughness. That's something that Terry Moore has instilled since day one. One thing that I did see last night, and I, I, I don't want to claim to be an expert because I've seen Indiana play about three games. You've seen them all season. But one thing I'm like, okay, if there's an Achilles heel or if there's something that this team needs to tighten up, uh, it may be taking care of the basketball. Has that been a problem this season is is taking care of the ball and avoiding the turnovers? It hasn't been. It has a little bit of late. I believe they had 15 at Purdue. Uh, I want to say 17 at Minnesota. Uh, I don't I don't recall what they ended with last night. There were some periods there where they got a little sloppy with it. But they do lead the conference in fewest turnovers per game, I believe top 20 nationally in that category. So for the most part this year, they've been solid. Only one game with more than 20 turnovers. They've kept it pretty well. I believe about half their games this year, they've had 12 or less. So I'm not too concerned, but it is definitely something that when you talk to Coach Moore and after a game where they have more than 12 turnovers, it's one of the first things she brings up is we turn the ball over too much. 12 is their magic number. If they can get to 12 or less, they feel like they did a good job. They had 12 last night, by the way, so I guess they hit their magic number. Um what about depth of this team? They rely really on six right now in the rotation. Is it a deep enough team to make a, a deep run in the tournament? I think so. I think the way that Terry Morn has always run her program, they've never been that deep. And they have said from day one they have six starters on this team. Sydney Parrish started as the sixth girl off the bench. And then when Grace Berger went down, she obviously went into the starting lineup and was playing so well they couldn't take her out. So now Scalia comes off the bench. Uh, and again, like a sixth starter, played 33 minutes last night against Iowa. She was terrific last year, all Big Ten player at Minnesota. So you know she can contribute. That is the big question, though. After her, where do you go? I think Lily Meister has improved dramatically throughout the season in her freshman year. She's capable of giving... Mackenzie Holmes, quick breathers here and there. That's all she really needs. Mackenzie's not going to play 39 minutes, but she can play 34, 35 minutes, and that's really what you need is for Lily Meister to give you five to ten minutes a game of good, strong play down low. She was terrific against Emily Kaiser of Michigan when Holmes got in some foul trouble. So I think that's a big part. And then they've got Lexi Bargesser as a guard. They want her to kind of become a Grace Berger moving forward, but right now she's still learning a lot of what that takes. Um, but she got a lot of valuable playing time while Berger was out that I think could serve this team well if they need her. They're going to run with six primarily, but if a situation comes about where they need to use those two freshmen, they've been thrown into the fire this year, and I think they're ready for those moments. Last night, Berger goes for 26 points, took 20 shots. I thought she was super aggressive compared to the other games I saw. What were your takes on Grace Berger's performance last night? Yeah, there was something about that. I I think everybody that was on last year's team, the three losses to Iowa last year stung, and they stuck with them. 
And don't think that when that schedule came out, they didn't circle February 9th and February 26th immediately. They knew what they had to do. They had to beat Iowa after the way last season went and the way the preseason hype was for Iowa. They knew this game. They absolutely had to win. And you can see that in Grace Berger and the way she played yesterday. She was just terrific. Really took it upon herself to take over that game. That was pre-injury Grace Berger, and we've seen flashes of it since she's come back, but that was as good as we have seen her since before the injury. She was attacking the basket. She's a mid-range sniper, as most people know at this point. She was burying those elbow jumpers. I think it is absolutely vital that they get that type of Grace Berger. Not always 26 points, but a Grace Berger that's aggressive for shot. Because then she can create for everybody else. Not only did she have six, she had nine rebounds, and she had a ton of assists as well. So uh, six assists in that game. So she can create for everybody. Indiana basically is into a run in their schedule that you could almost say simulates what it would be to go through an NCAA tournament uh, type of schedule. Because you look, they have to go to Ohio State, Michigan, a tough opponent coming into Bloomington. Of course, Indiana-Purdue, always a, a game where anything can happen. And then the road trip to Iowa. Uh, I mean, this is a tough stretch, but it's also a stretch that maybe simulates what Indiana would have to do if they're going to run through the NCAA tournament. Yeah, this is a uh, obviously a very difficult stretch. We knew it would be. Uh, that was one of the things when you looked at the schedule, you immediately circled that uh, kind of second week of February where things get really real. Uh, it started in West Lafayette. And they passed that test, obviously, with flying colors. Uh, last night was impressive, more so because I didn't really, like, I came away excited about the win, but I felt like they could have even played better than they did last night. And I'm sure Iowa can say the same thing. But, yeah, now you got to go to a desperate Ohio State team, and then it's Michigan at home, and it's a Purdue team that's on the bubble. And then a sold-out crowd at Iowa. So they're going to learn a lot about themselves here and, and how truly national title contender they are. If they go through this stretch and just keep notching off wins, I mean, this you've got to put this team up there with South Carolina as, as a national title threat. And obviously this is not a team that's going to get ahead of themselves. They're looking one game at a time. They had great success against Ohio State in Bloomington, and I'm sure that uh, they're ready for the Buckeyes come Monday. When you look at the Big Ten right now, and you talked about the bubble, and uh, I look at the conference and think how many of these teams are going to make it into the NCAA tournament, where do you draw the line? Is Purdue the team that's on the bubble right now in the Big Ten? They are. I believe they're on the right side of it, according to most projections. Nebraska's right there with them in that bubble territory. Um, and then it's, it's really... Everybody else is pretty much firmly in. Illinois had a big big start to the season and kind of put themselves in. I think they're kind of in the eight or nine seed area. And then everybody else is, is really firmly in and potentially looking as host. the big 10 could get five host schools uh, in the, in those top 16 seeds. Last night's committee reveal showed that. And then, yeah, like you said, the bubble is Purdue and Nebraska. And obviously Indiana has Purdue still on its schedule. That will be a desperate Boilermaker team. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's, there's a potential for eight Big Ten teams in the tournament. 
Austin, great stuff. Uh, I had a chance to catch a little bit of the game uh, against Purdue. Enjoyed your play-by-play call, and uh, always great to talk to you. Of course, uh, many of people here in Fort Wayne probably remember your work at Homestead. So uh, it's good talking to you, and best of luck the rest of the season. I appreciate you having me on. Great chatting with you, and uh, appreciate the time. Yep, that's Austin Render. He is the play-by-play voice for women's basketball for the Indiana Hoosiers. And, of course, Indiana right now ranked number two nationally. They are 23-1. and one. You know, you wonder if the strategy was Clark's going to get hers. we got to really lock down and make sure no one else gets a favorable matchup. Because they did do a good job uh, on the inside against Sinano. Uh, um, and, uh, you know, that was the Holmes versus Sinano matchup. And actually, Sinano ended up falling out. And uh, and so Holmes kind of won that battle, even though I think Holmes might have had four fouls, in fact, herself. But uh, but, you know, the key was no one else really went off. Just one just uh, a 14 point night for uh, Warnock and a 10 point night for Stulke Stulke, their uh, former Miss Iowa. That's a freshman and a, uh, a future star for the Iowa Hawkeyes. But she'll have her time. Uh, but Stalky was 0 for 8 at the free throw line. Can't do that. Freshman uh, needs to convert those. In fact, she was missing some of the free throws late when Indiana went on their run and uh, pulled pulled out to a, uh, what, 9-point lead, and then I think it was an 11-point lead, and then Indiana went on to win by 9. 46862 is Parkview Sports Medicine text line, 46862. Uh who you got for the Super Bowl? That's what we want to know. 46862, who do you have for the Super Bowl? First, last night, Adam, I, I got to bring this up. Watched NFL Honors. Stuck out the program, waiting. Yeah. Really kind of an emotional night because DeMar Hamlin made an appearance on stage. Right, right. They uh, honored and recognized all of the medical personnel, the training staffs, the medical personnel, the emergency personnel at uh, at both uh, the Bengals for the Bengals and the Bills, plus the uh, medical staff at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center where he was taken. And they recognized them and gave them uh, uh, their their fair due. But then, to a surprise, a surprise to almost everyone, Damar Hamlin was introduced and came out on stage and spoke, looks healthy. I don't know what I would have expected him to look like, but, I mean, looked upbeat, healthy, positive, looked better than he did when we saw him last time in the press box at Buffalo. Um, But a pretty special moment last night. One moment, though, that I kind of was a little disappointed in was when they announced the MVP. You weren't happy with, oh, I know why you weren't happy. It's cash, baby. I was hoping for some cash out of that. And, uh, you know, like last May, I put a bet in Joe Burrow MVP. And I thought maybe I had a chance. I didn't get a chance. Patrick Mahomes. And, in fact, all night long, Cincinnati kind of got snubbed big time. Did you look at some of the awards? Zach Taylor, the Bengals coach, did not even get a vote for coach of the year. There's like eight coaches in the NFL that got at least a vote. Wow. Zach Taylor did not get a vote. Joe Burrow finished fourth in MVP voting. And, you know, the Bengals use this type of stuff for motivation. They they like to play with that chip on their shoulder. 
And this certainly is uh, some motivation because, yeah, they got they got snubbed last night. And I got snubbed because my man didn't win. And, and it wasn't, remember, <laughs> I did not make the bet based on what I saw him do this season. I made the bet long before the season started that yeah, you he just, was going to be the one. You just liked the odds that you got, didn't you? Yeah, I liked the odds. I put down like five bucks. I was going to win like 600 if he wanted. I mean, yeah. Well, don't ring the register. It just uh, reminds me of the pain of not winning it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Patrick Mahomes, pro- deserving. I mean, I can't really complain about Mahomes because when you talk about most valuable, um, he's pretty darn valuable. And, you know, Cincinnati, they got some key contributions from a number of different people, and they do have, uh, you know, some other people offensively that, you know, make plays for them. But... And I, I still uh, <laughs> still wanted that money. Yeah, it's it's the win that never happened. We've probably all all been there. Uh, but but it was a nice uh, nice little uh, ceremony last night that they had the NFL honors. Yeah, four six eight six two is Parkview Sports Medicine text line four six eight six two. All right, coming up after five o'clock, we're going to have to talk super bowl we've got to make some picks and i'm going to give you some breakdowns of matchups of what i think favors which side and who i'm going to take in this super bowl so everybody can run to their sportsbook app and get their bets in after i make my call and well the way my nfl season is gone maybe maybe you don't want to run yeah i'm i'm still looking for some super bowl predictions on our text line we haven't gotten any yet so oh, well, i want for- Four six eight six two. Who you got? What's your score? Let us know. Four six eight six two. Parkview Sports Medicine text line. Uh, you got it locked in. It is a Friday, Friday, Friday edition of the Sports Rush on thirteen eighty The Fan and one hundred point nine FM.